Welcome everybody to the Jindal School of Art and Architecture's uh, uh, webinar uh, on our BR program. And this is part of uh, a series of webinars that we have been conducting. So uh, welcome and uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, today we are thinking, uh, and my name is Sarovar Zaidi. Uh, I teach at the Jindal School of Art and Architecture for the last few years nearly. And uh, it's a new school, uh, but we have been uh, working on many, many different uh, ideas uh, at the school. Our last webinar was called Materials and Making, uh, which is also a studio we ran. And today's uh, webinar is about lighting and architecture, thinking about light and architecture. Uh, I've called it and instead of in because one has to think about both separately and together. And today we have two speakers with us. So uh, I don't want to go into a longer introduction. I mean, there are, if you think about lighting and architecture, uh, it's one of the most ever present things that one deals with. And I think it was Corbusier who said that uh, there is always a constant, there's a, uh, the history of architecture is the history of the struggle with light. And we have light experts here who might tell us that I misquoted him or slightly quoted him off, but. I think that is the idea that uh, building and people who make buildings uh, are constantly dealing with, whether it is ordinary light is in the form of uh, windows and roshandans, or if you think of the history uh, of the Mughal monument, which is so embedded in thinking about light uh, and how light comes through, uh, through the jali and other forms. And uh, uh, then also, of course, in the contemporary uh, light is something that is constantly being navigated in uh, whether it is the, I, I call them the brutalist corridors, you know, of uh, modernist buildings, which are usually very dark. And, um, and then you have the tube light as the ubiquitous tube light, which appears everywhere and much to the dis displeasure of many uh, uh, light designers, it's very, very important. And in fact, right now I am sitting under a tube light giving you this very well lit face. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I thought it's very interesting and very critical to think about light. And uh, we have two very different uh, speakers in a sense who both work. Uh, one is Manav Bhargav. Manav is uh, someone who I've known for uh, maybe 35 years. Uh, in school, but he grew up to become a light designer and he's an architect and he runs Mandala Designs, which is uh, primarily every other monument that you see in Delhi has been lit by him. Uh, he has worked extensively on light design in the last 20 years. He has taught light design. He studied at TBT and uh, also worked in the UK. Uh, and uh, in fact, if you actually read his listing of uh, all the kind of lighting that he's designed, it will, it will even say things like a random uh, dome or something. Like you don't even, we don't even know the monuments that he has built. Okay, so um, so he has been working with light, and it's not just monumental spaces. He works on private housing. He works on uh, hotels. He works at the museum. He works in exhibitions. He also does his own light design work, and. Uh, is someone who is uh, very closely associated with our school. Uh, we've, we've all uh, had people from TVB working with us. With us. Um, and so there's Manav, then there is Parul. Parul, I know Parul. Parul is an artist. 
and she didn't start off as an artist as far as i remember but she has was one of the first few artists who made me think about life in a very very detailed and subtle way and her work uh, are very strongly connected to architectural form and she 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 plays with form she plays with light she makes us see uh, certain forms of light that miss us constantly and they're constantly there with us in the kind of ordinary it's also there with us in uh, the photography that we do in the house uh, but parul is someone who really crafts it for you and uh, a lot of her work has been inspired by working through uh, architectural form and architectural design and of course uh, parul has also studied at uh, uh, northingham university uh, I, i could be sorry sometimes i just miss can't remember everybody's uh, resume she has uh, she has had shows across the country and uh, uh, there was a very fantastic exhibition uh, called venice space in uh, jaipur uh, and her work was really outstanding there i was there at the exhibition uh, and i and then of course we have muskan who is from our uh, muskan is a student and uh, <clears throat> so we usually try and involve students in our webinars not only that we ask force them to attend this but uh, we also want them to be part of the discussion and muskan is in second year now uh, a lot of them have thought about light in very tiny ways uh, another student vivek he in fact built a lamp in his first year as a part of his materials in making a studio uh and uh, in fact we uh, also offer a course on light design by third year oh, which yeah, yeah, students can take Yeah. uh anyway i don't want to keep going on i welcome you to know have about format of panel discussion for 10 12 minutes parul is going to present her work and then we'll have an open discussion forum and we can all kind of join in and talk uh and we will take it as a whole okay so welcome to the maybe the one of the last webinars in this week of uh, at the temple school uh, we probably uh, restart these webinars later again Okay, Manav, over to you. Thanks, Rover. Mm. So my screen is visible, right? Yeah. I'm going to start with a very fundamental basic question what is light and um, in a sense light helps us see we don't really see light but light helps us see helps us see our surroundings and the objects around us but this process of seeing has few steps involved we have the light source we have the object the light falls on the object an object reflects the light and what we see is the reflected light the process seems pretty simple but it's actually not it's got pretty uh, quite a few layers to it one it depends on the quality of light the color of the light the intensity of the light then it depends on the object itself what are the properties of the object in terms of color transparency glossiness and other things 
would be third. The most important thing is how the observer sees the light and processes all the information. And this process of acquiring selective interpretation and organizing of information forms a mental image and that's what we call perception. I'm just very quickly gonna show you one image. You see two squares, one in, uh, with a black background, the other one with white background. And then there are these two other squares inserted in between, which are gray. If I ask you, which is a darker gray, most of you would tend to actually perceive the one on the right side, the smaller gray within the white square to be darker. But actually, this is just light. Sorry? Hello? Azad, you need to mute yourself and Mana, you are Your voice is a bit Is it better now? Can you hear me? Am I audible? Yeah, better, a little bit. So, um, you would perceive the, the, the gray square on the right to be darker than the one on the left. But in reality, both are the same. It's just this process of perceiving information and subconsciously our mind kind of deciphering all the, all the information that we're coming, uh, we, we get through is, is what I was talking about perception and through its light's intensity, the way it distributed and through its property, light creates specific conditions which can influence our perception and interaction with space. Now, look at this, these two examples. The lighting is very similar. The color, the way it's lighting the space, but just the sheer direction of the light changes the emotional quality of the space. The one on the left, it has a lot of positive energy, people coming together, there's a lot of energy. On the other is actually pretty um, depressing. There's a sense of solitude there. So light also helps us create these atmosphere uh, the emotional quality and the atmosphere of the space. So if I have to summarize, light helps in visuality, which is the ability to see details. It helps in speciality, the perception of physical boundaries, and also helps us create atmosphere, which is perceiving the space emotionally. These are the three aspects which we try and engage and involve and explore in our work of lighting design. I'm going to take you through some examples of our work. This is the Amir Fort in Jaipur, uh, where we worked on the sound and light show over there. It, uh, it, it stands on top of a hill very majestically. And this is typically how you would see a monument. expresses its mon monumentality. It stands there like a grandfather figure, godfather figure look, overlooking the city. But as part of the show, there were moments where uh, the story, the narrative demanded the fort and the, the context to be interpreted in a different way. So here you see the same fort turned into a 
building which is kind of lost in the memory, lost in history, disappeared and kind of forgotten. And again, in another way of another rendering, what happens is the monument comes alive, but in a very mystical way, not the same way as the first image that I showed you with white light over there. So it's just about interpreting the same monument using different types, direction, different way of rendering it and creating different emotions and atmosphere around the monument. This is the aerial view of the fort. We were also involved with uh, lighting up the interiors of the fort. And you can see there are four courtyards inside the fort. And we lit the series of all of them, but I'm just going to talk about the last one, which is on the extreme left. It's called the Janana Mahal. This is the view of from the inside of the uh, courtyard. And if you see, there is an enclosure, and within the enclosure, there is a pavilion called Baradari. This was a space which was used by the all the queens. The, uh, the Maharaja Man Singh had 12 queens, and the space housed all of them with 12 chambers. So that was the history we were working with, and we thought, let's try and interpret the history. Now, having a chamber with 12 queens, it, uh, a courtyard, at one level, it's a public space, space uh, where all of them can come together, yet at the same time, they have their own private chambers in there. So we explored interpreting this, this uh, the reality of the space. Look at this exploration. We have a strong sense of enclosure and the object sitting in between. In this case, the enclosure disappears, but the object stands out. And in this third exploration, what you see is the inside of the pavilion itself that starts to glow. There is a sense of intimacy within this pavilion. And this is, uh, all these previous images were renders and this is what we actually achieved at the end of the day, where the enclosure is completely dissolved. And there was a very conscious thought of using a blue monochromatic light for it and the interiors of the pavilion were done in a very warm light like almost like a, a, a fire or a campfire or a light from the ask emitting from the pavilion from the interiors of the pavilion this is akbari kila in ajmer a very similar context in terms of a, a, a building sitting in a courtyard with an enclosure. But the difference is the, uh, the here the building has a certain mass and the Baradari in case of Amer uh, Fort was more like a pavilion. So here you see the, the, the form, the mass of the structure sitting in. But what you miss out is the architectural intricacy of the, uh, the, the detailing of the elements simply because of the chajja sitting on top just blocks the daylight coming through uh, during the day. So we actually wanted to express those details, the finer details that we missed during the day and actually make it look like a very prized jewel sitting in the middle of the courtyard. This project is actually uh, a sales office for a builder called IRO. This was actually sitting in a 
mall in Saket. You can see the exteriors of the mall, uh, the main central courtyard, uh, uh, the atrium of the mall on the right. Uh, the architect wanted to design the space as a raw construction site. And uh, for us, the challenge was how to interpret that in lighting. So one thing was when, when you're walking uh, from inside the mall, which is very well lit, very nicely polishedly lit, the idea was to create a very dark, dingy space, which becomes absolutely apparent as soon as you come to the atrium. It's kind of a black hole uh, and a vacuum which is pulling you in. The other thing was to capture the rawness of the form. These concrete blocks were used to define the spaces in the, spa uh, in the interiors and they were made out of concrete. So one was to very, with harsh light and contrast, pick up the form of these blocks and also pick up the raw texture of the concrete. And if you see the lighting language of the, these lamps on the right was also very raw and very industrial that was uh, used. Sorry. Another view where the reinforcement construction material bar were emphasized and on through the opening of the door you see a stainless steel polished wash basin and again the idea was to bring in a contrast of that sparkle, the polish versus the rawness to actually exaggerate it. Uh, one very interesting thing about the project was to do a project like this you can never plan it on paper. Every single light over here was physically located at site, marked, and then installed. So there are certain challenges. I mean, all, all projects do not happen on paper. There are certain challenges certain projects bring in, and you need to really adapt to, uh, to those challenges to achieve your results. Now, talking about display and object, museum is another kind of uh, project where which requires very specialized lighting. Most of these objects in museum are sensitive to light. The light level needs to be extremely low, sometimes as low as uh, 50 lux. And if I have to quantify that uh, in um, qualitative terms, it would be probably a light coming out of your mobile phone. So each of these objects that you see on the wall, they're lit with light as low as that. The other thing is a lot of times the museum, in a museum, the emphasis needs to be on the object and the surroundings and the space needs to disappear. So if you notice the, the entire highlight is on the objects, whether on the wall or the central display. Another view of the same gallery. Another one. Now, in this museum, the architect also decided to work with dark color interiors. The gallery space started with black and slowly it moved to darker gray to a lighter gray and to a white. So in this image, you can actually see the progression from black to the lighter gray on the walls behind. But the moment you have such intense interiors in a museum, uh, it actually can get very overpowering. So you need to bring in certain spaces which give you a relief. And this was the intent of providing the space over here. But 
the brief that was given to us by the interior designer was actually pretty challenging. He didn't want to use any lights from the ceiling. He had this detail on the side, which you can see as a pole along the wall. And from here, we were supposed to generate the light. Of course, uh, not the best way. And uh, because it actually catches most of the attention uh, instead of the display. So we had to actually work out a detail to make it efficient. Where we worked out the curve of this and each of these bumps that you see started to work like reflectors. So lighting design, what I'm trying to get to is lighting design is not always working with readily available products, but also integrating your details within the architecture, within the interiors to make them perform the way you want, want them to perform. This actually required quite a bit of calculation and simulation to achieve what we wanted to do. This is a hospitality project. Uh, it's a restaurant in Oberoi's Bombay. Uh, this required to express a sense of glamour, sense of glitter, a sense of brilliance, a sparkle in the entire project. And one of the most, uh, you know, one, one aspect that hit us the most, which, I mean, the, the feature for the interior designer was the, this tree made out of these metal uh, brass pipes. But the, the feature that hit us the most was the red velvet fabric on the wall. The way the red brings in that richness, that sense of uh, indulgence, is what we wanted to pick up. And highlighting this tree in the middle, which was the feature was one of the most challenging aspects. It's very difficult to light up metal. It actually, uh, in fact, it doesn't, it just reflects the images around. It doesn't uh, reflect the light in real sense. So for us, it was very important to actually emphasize and focus on the decoratives as well, which help us light up the space. So, you know, when we light up a space, there are layers of these lights and every layer, every object brings in a certain aspect which makes the space. So the choice of the lamps was very essential in highlighting the tree. And if you notice these small lights which were integrated with the tree sculpture itself to light up the tables and the spaces below. And in this large space where you could have 50 people sitting. It was also important to create these little intimate corners and spaces where a smaller group could feel uh, where they belong. That space was theirs and they were there and they were completely disconnected from the surrounding around. So we, were, we actually created these pools around the objects, uh, around these tables to generate that sense of privacy. Um, this is an light installation that we worked on all this while I'm talking about how we define spaces. But this was an example, this is an example where we actually dissolve spaces. Uh, we again, using blue monochromatic light, the idea was to create a space which does not have definition, where you do not perceive definitions. So the moment you would enter, it was so overpowering and it would just disorient you. And It'll, there'll be a sense of uh, spacelessness over there. And if you see on the, uh, in the image on the right, suddenly, slowly, these floating text 
panels would emerge, you would start to see them. And these were some quotations uh, which were screen printed on acrylic and light, lit from these special lights on top. Uh, this mannequin that you see in the middle was something that we had to add because people were completely disoriented. They couldn't even walk around and they were, they were actually bumping into the object. So it was important to bring in this black object to give them a sense of focus over there. But this is the other thing, the ability of light, not to just construct spaces, but also dissolve them. Uh, this is an interesting project. I, I mean, very different from uh, the projects that I've shared till now, but here where we use the light as a graphic language, this is a stadium we are working on. Of course, the facade has dynamic lighting, which can change and with different programs, it can be interactive and all of that. But what was interesting for me was the scoreboard, the idea of the scoreboard. This stadium also actually belongs, belongs to the owner who's the biggest Toyota dealer in the country. And what we decided to do was create these pigeonholes with a Toyota car inside. And what you see is each pixel being lit with the brake lights of the car. So each pixel then forms the digit and uh, that's how you get the score. So the idea was to bring in a story of the car and the stadium, tie the two things together. Again, another form of light, but with a very graphical context. And this example is about working with daylight. As Sarova just mentioned, uh, Mughal architecture engaged a lot of Jali. Jali is a device which modulates the the, uh, modulates the daylight coming in, filters the daylight. And of course, the design of the Jali determines what kind of light and when does the light come in. You would ideally block the summer light, afternoon light, and you would allow the morning and evening light to come in. Today, if you typically notice, a lot of residences have these lures as an elevational expression. And this is what was happening in one of our projects. And what we realized was these lures was as a blanket blocking all the light, irrespective of winter, summer, morning, evening. It was just blocking the entire light and creating a very monotonous atmosphere inside. So we, as our own initiative, we spoke to the client and told, asked him if he would allow us to explore the design of the, the screen itself so that we could maximize the winter sun coming in and minimize the summer sun. So first thing that we did was map the movement of sun through the day, through the year, on the facade of the building. The blue squares that you see are the movement of the sun during the desirable, desirable, desirable movement of the sun during winters, and the red squares are the avoidable movement of the sun during winter, uh, summers. And we arrived at these rectangles in dotted black, where we realize one square represents the maximum density of the fence to block the summer sun, and the other rectangular, rectangular, rectangle represents the minimum density of fence that we require in winters. And this was translated into the cross-section of the fence, which you see at the bottom, the black representing a full square and the left, on the left, the red one represents a shape which is more like a rhombus. So the black would block most of the sun, daylight and sunlight coming in, and the red one will allow. 
the maximum. And that these louvers were distributed on the facade based on the mapping of the daylight. And as a result, what we got were louvers with these kind of cross sections in segments. And each segment had a diff completely different cross section which brought in some dynamism into the elevation and the form of the jali, the screen itself, and ultimately brought out an aesthetics which was derived out of a process, a process of working with daylight. So where I felt actually the screen became a little more meaningful and had, had uh, it, it, it was something which would engage the interiors with the exteriors and not just be a blanket screen on the facade of the building. So these were a few uh, case studies, examples of the kind of work we have in, been involved with and also the way we integrate and explore lighting in architecture. Oh, that was really fantastic. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> slides are visible, Gaurav. Somebody's asking a question. I don't know why they're not visible on your screen. Okay, so that was great. And I have a lot of ideas and questions. Um, oh God, Katie Davindran wants to come. <laughs> Katie, you're late. We just finished with Manav. So... Um, okay, so let's just uh, move to Parul's work and then we'll have a discussion. Mm, thank you, Sarova. Yes. Thank you, Manav. It was quite insightful, your introduction and going through your slides, through your works. Um, let me share the screen. I have no idea how to oh my do God, it now. <laughs> this is scary now. Okay. Hi, Katie. You just miss Manas. We will just bring you in when we discuss. We're just going to go on to Parul's presentation. We can't hear you, but we will hear you afterwards. I said I got the message only five minutes back. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, <laughs> okay Parul, I think your screen... Yeah. Can you see my screen? No, we can't. This is a little tricky now. I don't know. You are an admin to this, so you can easily share the screen. I'm trying. So did you click uh, on share screen, Arun? Yes. I see. Have you opened your presentation, Piche? Um, yeah. So it will give you an option to pick one of those uh, things. Does it give you that option? No. It should totally give you that option not giving me that option so when you go to share screen hmm. uh, I've completely lost zoom also I don't know yeah so. wow that's a little tricky now I guess. So don't stress we'll it'll happen <laughs> it's very normal I think everybody is used yeah. to webinar zones being a bit like Parul, uh, yeah. Just open your presentation and share your screen itself. Um, I don't know where my presentation. I mean, my presentation is there, but somehow I'm not able to. If you open, if you keep the presentation open on your screen from before, 
and then you go to share screen it will give you all these screens that you can share it just took away the whole screen and i'm all i'm seeing is this one screen where you guys are there and that's it it's, it's all lost for some reason can you open the internet explorer again uh yeah the, the google chrome yeah okay can you see anything now once you do it's, go share it's just screen? an empty screen of zoom and that's it can you guys see me yes we I can, can see yeah. you so why don't you re just re-log in also? okay yeah yeah now it's there now it's there yeah screen share yeah Yay! Super. Oh, little tricky. And I think you should just go to the beginning yeah. of the slides and make it full screen uh, for the of the the PowerPoint version. Yeah. Great. Super. Uh, I think we have to go up. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, please mute their mics except Parul. Lovely. Uh, so here we are. Hmm. Um, so all what you are seeing is a sunrise from my window, which I happen to see every day, uh, uh, especially sunrise and both sunset from, from one window is sunrise and other is sunset. Um, but I remember that it's not just now what I'm seeing it, like, you know, when I'm living in this high rise apartment, I was always fascinated by this. And uh, it's a phenomena, which I can watch endlessly. But my aware that it exists and how it enter architectural spaces was a very gradual one. Uh, my main interest in architectural spaces. Uh, yeah. My main interest in these architectural spaces are about movement, form, and light, and how these elements create the most phenomenal experiences for our daily encounters. Uh, it all started in 2012 uh, while occupying a studio residency for our, uh, uh, in Delhi at Neem. And uh, it was an encounter while documenting movement in, in these architectural spaces like what you're looking here is an image of a column from two different positions, from both point A and point B. And the column in the space is the same in both these images, occupying same matter and space. But as one moves, something also shifts between them. Something appears and other disappear. Uh, I was interested in the spatial void between two positions and hence multiple positions. So while, while documenting the space there, I kind of um, encountered this corner. And this is my first encounter with light, per se, in terms of how it enters our spaces and create forms, uh, basically which, which kind of, it's, a, it's like moving into something which you're not expected to encounter and then suddenly it's at form and third dimension becomes second, two dimension. It was a very interesting formation to happen in the space itself. Uh, 
like in this image also light becomes an extremely integral element to create this composition and the form this particular encounter always remained at the back of my head uh, and then i started to explore light intentionally um with this project for the first time i tried to explore it uh, in the sense of like you know working through light and using light as one of the material to make an installation uh what you're seeing here is an image of the work where uh, sorry yeah this is scaffolding over here and this scaffolding was already there in the space by the architect, I mean, by the designer, uh, space designer. And what I did with the scaffolding it is I used it as a structure to build an installation or a drawing, like um, something like this, what you're seeing in front of you, tapes and uh, uh, just light and then shadow falling on the wall. The thing about light is we cannot talk about light without shadow and about shadow is uh, neither it has any volume or weight. It's not quality. It, uh, it, it, does, it's not, it doesn't have a quantity to it, but the quality of it is it makes our world appear real to us. And also with our understanding of light and shadow, it's it's like the number of shadows are equally proportionate to number of source of light. But what you are seeing here is um, that there are, there's one shadow of the scaffolding, but two shadows of the vertical tapes on the scaffolding, one straight and one like diagonal. What I did here is a subtle way engage the viewer in questioning the reality. Uh, they got the, I mean, the, the, the whole uh, way is like, how do you, like if you come back to this image again, it's like one would try to understand how one element has two shadows when there is just one source of light. So the reaction always is to look back and try to find another source of shadow, another source of light but there wasn't any. Actually, I used tape on the wall itself, which I had shown you earlier. Uh, it's about engaging the viewer in questioning the reality. They definitely get, got baffled in the whole process of trying to find and you know where to, like where's the second source of light and what's happening here. And then only on a closer inspection or a closer look, one could see tapes uh, on the wall itself as diagonal lines. This work kind of gave me a starting point to look at to look at light as material and like how it can be used to create further works and you know uh, in the sense like it questions the whole structural understanding of the world around us. Uh, we can do a lot with light as Manav also shared his, his work uh, especially the last one, that structural uh, uh, facade and all that. So, but in my way of looking at light is, I'm not questioning the laws of light and shadow and our perception, but in the sense of like, you know, how we perceive the surrounding uh, in relation to these laws. 
like this this is a work i did and when i say i i did this work basically is a work done by light itself uh in collaboration with architectural space uh, i was i was on this residency in bombay and this apartment had this beautiful light entering from different corners different different windows different different points where you know light can actually enter and entertain us and engage us and uh, as the rover rightly mentioned in her note as well which says uh, light much like bricks and cement is a subtle skin of any architecture or building these works are almost similar to what she suggests she mentioned in her note and it's like a collaboration between light and architecture at a certain time during the course of the day my part was to be aware of their presence uh but what's most important is since i am somebody whose practice is majorly about drawings i saw them as drawings in space and uh it's like drawings done by charcoal charcoal pencils and you know and and also made me realize how light during the course of the day through its own movement from sunrise to sunset make multiple drawings and erases itself like these are the drawings on walls ceiling floor corners columns everywhere and it 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 happens on its own and it erases on its own and i could just capture a moment a flickering moment in that in that passage of the day so it allows the space to move also uh in the sense like as i said when i started with the with the presentation about like different positions where a viewer is moving it allows the space itself to move if we continuously or maybe like you know for some time just look at it it changes our whole understanding of of being and engaging with the same space if we are just aware of its presence the same space feels bigger in afternoon and kind of shrinks by the time it's evening or night um something like this i'm just sharing few slides of these works i mean uh meanwhile i started to document uh these images i'll i'll take you through a lot of images uh again forms created by light uh and and somehow i felt that they are unapologetic with their presence uh they enter transform the space create such phenomenal experience for the viewer or the inhabitant and later our memory of that space is never detached from it uh we we i mean if i mean for me personally like you know being nostalgic about a particular space light plays a very important part of my complete experience or in my in my memory of that particular space so it kind of holds a very in a very subtle way but a very strong position of how we remember
uh, this particular what Sarovar also sp uh, spoke about uh, jollies, and you know, I was kind of interested in this whole idea of jolly here with the with with the with the form and architecture which we see in our current spaces. So uh, while I was documenting all this and all that, I happened to show these works which I had shared before the black and white photographs. And uh, but while I was I was trying to make this exhibition, I was also concerned about recreating the experience which I had experienced in that space. And for me, just showing the images makes no sense, holds no meaning in itself till the time I. I try and create that experience to some extent in a new space. It's also adds to like, you know, it, it was like what my body and memory has remembered and I'm try, re, trying to recreate that. Uh, so this was this show and uh, as I said, I exhibited this, these, these photographs, some of them, and I displayed them, them again in a manner where like, this where it's like the positioning and a lot of things are very similar to what where I actually shot them. Something like this spatially where it's uh, create, recreating shadows of, of the structures. So making a uh, putting up the structures in a way that it makes more shadows. And uh, this one especially, uh, I created this daylight impression on the wall entering through the window. Uh, again, there wasn't any window in the space. So uh, this light projection worked on two levels. First, it holds all the exhibits together uh, as a point of reference and secondly in a subtle way again questioned our perception uh, in terms of what is reality and uh, perception of the reality with reference to these to such mundane things uh, it plays on our uh, on our behavior and uh, responding to these daily encounters and uh, this projected light here also is kind of moving the way, like, you know, when daylight enter our rooms and all that, the way it moves and fades, this light, this projected light was also moving and fading throughout the day. I don't have that uh, video of this thing so that, I mean, otherwise I had uh, shared that with you. But coming to this another question, uh, another work here, it's called drawing in space. Uh, so I had been, uh, I, I used this term before earlier also when I was showing this photograph that how I 
see uh, the light and shadow on walls as drawings and spaces and my interaction with uh, different positions where I'm looking at that spatial void between two positions or multiple positions kind of got me thinking of how to bring it together in terms of movement as well as drawing. Uh, these works are done through, uh, done by needles and thread. And uh, in this particular work, I've used white thread, uh, white thread and white wall. And, and there are these central, in the center, there are two lights on this revolving structure. It looks simple here, but it's a, it's a very complex, there's a very complex mathematical structure beneath this whole drawing. And the whole idea is when a viewer is inside it, uh, they, can't, they can't see the drawing per se, the thread per se as such, but what they're seeing is the movement, continuous movement of like, uh, here you can see. So when you are in the space, uh, the space kind of kinds of move in a way where it's moving. Of course, there's a material to it, which helps it, it guides and anchoring kind of this whole idea of movement. Like here as well. Um, this is the last work I'm sharing with you. Um, in the same exhibition space, uh, this room has the peeling walls and seeping uh, smell, seepage smell. And uh, so I made this another light projection, this time of moonlight uh, passing through the swaying branch, tree branch, and you know, again, no window in the room and it's projected on the floor with the similar questions on, on how we perceive the real world and you know, how we, how, it's like, how do you even, I mean, it's like, you know, my whole experiences of, of seeing light, of experiencing that poetry and trying to bring together for the viewers. Yeah, okay. So, um, this was the space basically. Yeah. Wow. That's it. Okay, thank you. So firstly, I want to congratulate myself for getting both of you because this was amazing. And I think both of you are like these amazing craftsmen of light. And I think, uh, Manav, can you put your video on, please? Thank you. <laughs> and I think it's been really, like, it's just really been fantastic. I have like, a whole notebook of notes which and my notebook is finished between both of you and i think it was amazing because i think with manav i'm just going to briefly summarize because some people missed it 
uh, Ishita has been admitted. So Zai is here, Katie is here, uh, all our friends are here. So I'm going to put them on at some point. But I'm going to brief, briefly summarize some of it for uh, those who missed it. And uh, so Manav's work was looking at the idea of what is light. Uh, and Manav, I could totally be misquoting you and doing my own interpretation of you. But uh, um, so he looked at visuality, spatiality, and the atmospherics, the emotive uh, that it creates. Uh, and it helps us create uh, subconsciously and consciously certain kinds of emotive qualities. Uh, and it can also recreate space. So he showed us through that fort how he can recreate different spaces. Uh, and what was one was the, one of the most interesting presentations that he did was uh, on the office of a construction company, where uh, there was a very interesting thing he said. And this is a question I want to pose to architects and architecture students, which is that he planned everything on site. There could be no drawing of it, and every every light, every planning happened while he was in that space, walking through what what they had put in. And which is very interesting because we're always moving from drawing and planning on some very jazzy AutoCAD to uh, the real world, right? So this is also a very, very interesting idea. And I think light is something that really, uh, you know, um, Richard Sennett's book, which we also teach in our uh, school, The Craftsman, he talks about light drawing in architecture versus, uh, you know, sending drawings across continents, which are made only by not even going to the place. And he talks about one architect who uh, is who when when they live draw in a space, they feel the light, they feel the heat, and they feel all the different things that are going on through the course of the day, uh, and it totally changes the way they think of uh, building anything, right? So, this was a very interesting point that uh, Manav brought out. Mm -hmm. And the other things that I found very interesting is how do you make it work with color? Uh, and this the museum design, which was also very interesting. Uh, and this idea that it's very difficult to light up metal and how in the restaurant, uh, you moved away from the brass uh, tree, which was probably the thing that the interior designer wanted to focus on to the, uh, to the sides, you know, you decentered uh, the whole focus to the velvet uh, kind of red maroonish curtains. And this uh, blue dissolved light monochromatic, monochromatic space you did was also very interesting. And Parul, I think Meera has called you the pheno uh, a phenomenology of light. And she is a phenomenologist of light. And it is someone who has literally, you know, what will be very interesting at some point is that last building that uh, uh, Mana worked on with the calibrated light with the wooden panel. What was it? Mana, what is it called? That thing. Ah. So if Parul would ever study that building, it would be so interesting, you know, because she is yeah. like a, she's like the detail craftsman of looking and thinking and experiencing light. And I think uh, Parul's work, what I really found interesting was that her idea of thinking of light uh, and to think of light along with thinking of shadows and how you cannot forget shadows when you think of light, right? And I think that is something that is so phenomenal and so fundamental to uh, uh, with how we live, where we live, etc. Uh, and also in any light design, I'm sure, right? And I think the battle is also with shadows with, for light designers, you know? Uh, also, I wanted to ask Mana one thing that you only work at night. 
Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. And while Parul can actually work in the daytime. Hmm. And uh, what was lovely was how Parul, Parul and Ramana, by the way, I have also in the middle of all this live tweeted you. Okay, so I've been multitasking. So, uh, and, uh, and what was really nice, uh, what that Parul said was looking at light and shadows as drawings in space. You know, so to just actually be able to, and I think that's something that, that that's something that students need to start seeing. It's a, it's a, it's like a skill you have to build, right? To be able to have the stillness, to be able to see and hold that, uh, you know, whether it's light coming from the balcony or a roshantan, you know, to just be able to see these small things. And I think that was fantastic how you uh, worked with it. Uh, and uh, I think there was a really lovely quote that I actually quoted you and. Uh, how uh, light and shadows draw themselves through the day and then they erase themselves by the end. And then Manav, the night owl comes and he starts waking. <laughs> so, uh, and also what was really lovely was your point about they are unapologetic with their preserve and our memory of space um, is constantly uh, also linked with our relationship to uh, how the light is in that space and how we experience, even if it's just a room that we used to lie in, and the light is coming in from a window uh, and it's very intrinsically linked of our own personal experiences. Hmm. Uh, what I want to uh, open the discussions with and, and we've already, we have about half an hour though we were supposed to finish by 12, uh, uh, is to think about relationships of uh, light with materiality, which some of you have mentioned with mathematics because uh, I was getting a bit intimidated that one of you has to be doing a lot of math, especially Mana, with electricity and intensities. And I think intensities here, by intensities, I'm using a very deluged term. Uh, I mean both intensities of uh, the intensity of light as a, as a kind of, uh, you know, as an object and intensities which it evokes, right? So that was... Uh, um, that's the kind of things that will be interesting to discuss. By the way, there are a lot, a lot of questions. So, uh, do you want to respond to some of this, Manav and Parul, first to my questions, and then we'll take in a few more. And I'm going to uh, uh, put on a few people's videos. Uh, Katie, it's good if you show your face. Zai, can you please like be part of this, all of you? Some of you, Gaurav. Yes. So come, come on now, uh, Manav and Parul. You want to speak about materialities? Uh, you want to speak about uh, intensities, mathematics? Anything you want to say so, on this? Uh, yeah. So uh, what you talk about mathematics is uh, it's uh, in. In some of my work, the one I showed, like, you know, with white thread drawing, especially, there's, there's, there's this whole structure of mathematics beneath. So I personally also use, uh, I would say in a very strong way, like, you know, the whole formulas and all that, but it all is about numbers, which I really work with in terms of permutation and combination and creating those drawings. So it all happens through like, you know, uh, it's a long process to work on these drawings where uh, I am actually, I, have, I can only work on these drawings in the space itself. I cannot work in any other space and, you know, having just the dimension because 
A is the dimension which is what we are working with, but also like you know, uh, the how a body is moving in the space and how it is responding to to those dimensions. So I can only work within the space itself. Uh, yeah. So this there's a lot of uh, uh, the huge number game which goes behind it. But about intensity in particular. When you spoke about on two levels of intensity in terms of light as a material and what it evokes in us as a viewer when we, we, we kind of experience that. Uh, you know, it has to be a balance out there when you use this material because it can be very harsh also. And one has to really understand and craft it in a way where it doesn't overpower also at the same time and sub and completely negate the whole uh, idea of what is I mean it has to it has to enter in a way where it it says something in a subtle way but the viewer also especially in my kind of work has to be aware of the space and has to be like really in a calm uh, mindset to to absorb it yeah okay. I'm just making sense uh, Manav do you want to respond or should I start uh, saying out some of the questions to you no, just a few things, especially about intensity, starting with intensity. I think when you're working with light, of course, shadows are something that you have to think simultaneously. But for me, the other thing is also designing the darkness. We're not always working or designing the light. We need to, like, even in architecture, there is a positive void and built. Similarly, in lighting, you need to have you design light and you design darkness. So there has to be this play of duality. And uh, as Paulo was saying, you know, the, the balance, the relationship between the texture that these two actually create is what, in my opinion, brings out the emotion of the evocative quality of the space. And, uh, and that's where the materiality also comes in because light interacts with material. The way light is reflected off the material depends on those material properties. Whether and uh, and light can very effectively be used to express those properties. Whether uh, it's the texture, the reflectance, how the how also when when we talk about materiality, we are also talking about how the spaces are formed through that material and how light actually um, presents them to the observer is something very important. Okay. So, no, because it was very interesting because, you know, Parul, I think, works with uh, both the materialities that she sees around her house and the fact that she used that, you know, working with thread, something which is so, so subtle and the kind of shadow that will create. Hmm? On the other hand, uh, uh, Manav is thrown with all kinds of materiality, right? From Amir Fort, you know, what it's made of, uh, to, you know, like the sandstone kind of facade, to uh, concrete, to... Uh, so it's a very it's a very different of course range of materiality that you're tackling right and also that you are entering and uh, um, working with uh, okay so I want to actually take questions right now because there's like lots of questions and I'm getting stressed okay so 
Uh, okay. I'm going to start from the top. Oh my God. I'm going to... Okay, Mr. Subbarao has said that he had to leave, which is fine. Uh, okay, Aloparna, can you tell us? Uh, Aloparna uh, is a faculty at the Jindal School of Art and Architecture. So, our faculty has asked lots of enthusiastic questions, including Zai, by the way. So, Manav, get ready for that. Um, uh, wonderful perspective, Parul. Could you tell us a bit about your process of photography? By the way, there are two questions about photography to you, Parul. Uh, somebody has asked you that how do you do good photography, which is a very strange question. Um, uh, and could you tell us about your processes of photography? This is uh, in terms of what you want to capture as essence of light. Like, do you see particular corners many times over a period of time before composing the image or something else? And uh, she really appreciates your looking clear closely at the banal of light. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so uh, about photography. I am no I'm no expert in using a camera. I really don't know the technicalities of the camera. I just use it as someone will use a, a pencil to draw or a, or a sketch. I for my main idea is to capture what I'm seeing, and that I think camera really helps me to do. Uh, I I just put it on a normal mode, automatic mode basically, and I just capture. But yes, the whole idea of what I am capturing is something me uh, the composition the forms the geometry the overlaying lights shadows uh, and everything it creates together is something what is it's like you know a riyaz which one has been doing continuously from years just by seeing around things day in day out and then you finally reach to a certain aesthetics which is your own so yeah that's the I think I answered both the questions. I really found that, you know, the last piece that you did with the moonlight in that room. Mm -hmm. So interesting. And the you even made shadows of leaves. Uh, yeah. And it was a projection, right? Yeah, it was a projection. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So, that was helped by a friend who is a designer and he kind of worked out the things, the technicalities again. Now Manav is going to help us. <laughs> Just making one of do work for us. Uh, instead of uh, lighting up all kinds of random monuments. Okay, so next point is from Katie. Superb work, Parul. Katie, if you want to ask a question, I will, I will uh, take your questions. Uh, but there is a question from Zai, which I have to read out first. Um, this is lovely. My apologies for missing the first half. I was wondering how does light become political for both of you in attempt to break the status of controlling a drawing exercise? Uh, I think uh, it does connect to something that Manav had said about how uh, um, so I think Zai's point is that how do you, uh, what, what we were discussing partly, uh, the moving away from drawing and does light then become a kind of its own uh, political uh, location vis-a-vis -vis, uh, architecture, you know. So it totally unhinges it from uh, some other forms of uh, making an architecture, right? Would you agree with that? Manav? Yeah, I would. And um, in fact, um, okay, uh, Zai, it'd be nice if you could actually explain your- yeah, Zai, come. Sorry? Zai, Zai, I've invited her to put her camera on. She's being shy. I don't know what is, 
this. Where are you, Zai? At least put on your mic. Where are you? Hi, Manavan Parul and Sarova. Thank you for a lovely session. Um, let me actually, Manav, explain my question, right? Because both of you in different forms are working with, with the idea of the drawing. For Parul, the drawing is actually coming much later, whereas for you, Manav, it sort of, for whatever it's worth, still informs your process at an earlier stage or at least the production of the process. But I almost wonder, in both the, in both the manners of working that the two of you are doing, does the drawing and the, the element of light, which is being used to um, negotiate the question of drawing, become political for you? What are your own politics in doing this? And I, I'm sure that there are individual to each one of you, but I'd be very interested in knowing your politics while you're working with light and drawing. Right. Uh, see, of course, I mean, uh, while working with light, drawing is something that I do not really rely on. Mm -hmm. It's something which I can represent the construction of the lighting system or how to build it. But light is something which you really need to experience physically. At, in fact, that's how I've learned my lighting. I've learned yeah. everything physically, holding the light source, placing it next to the column, the facade, the elements, seeing what it is doing. And that's how I've actually learned and picked up my, the understanding of light. And yeah. drawing is, can be, a rep, as I said, a representation of the intent. But your understanding and the implementation can only happen with physically working with light. Uh -huh. And most of the, in fact, uh, drawing is something, it's only these buildings which are not built as yet, where we, where, where we require drawings, but most of the other buildings, monuments, we actually physically go there and figure out the way we would want to do it. Light, lighting involves a lot of mock-ups. It involves a lot of physical testing. And that's how we actually uh, proceed with our work. That's interesting. So would you, I mean, would you think there'll be a point where you will actually completely eschew the drawing making process? Sorry? Do you think there possibly could be a point where you would actually completely avoid the drawing making process? Like it becomes something that you don't do at all? Uh, we have done few projects without drawings. But uh, it's not practical. Yeah. You can't but physically be there and it's just not practical. Um, I want to come in uh, to this no. question. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Hi. Yeah. So uh, the thing is with me, uh, when I talk about light, for me, it's not separate from architecture. And architecture right. itself is a very political establishment. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, it's raining crazily over here in Delhi, and it will gonna affect yeah. the poorest of the poor the most. Uh, and if you look at any of my work, I have not catered to that kind of architecture. I have catered to architecture, which is a much privileged one. So in that sense, my work is political in the sense of how I'm only dealing with a certain kind of architecture. 
and that that kind of architecture only can only allow this kind of work to happen that's a fantastic point and i think it's very brave for you to actually acknowledge it i mean that's the reality of where we are uh, and uh, about the injustice and the inequality of the society and and even if i'm not addressing it directly through my work all the time but to be aware of it is something i kind of constantly make a point to be aware at least of it uh, it is it is there everywhere yeah monty thank okay. you thanks zai <laughs> I I usually prefer if like they become more discussants and all the load is not only on me. So uh, for asking questions, but there are lots of more questions. I'm going to quickly go through some of them and you can respond to them together. And then I'm going to ask Katie to speak to us about all of this. He can't just sit there and like watch. Okay, so let me go through the questions. Uh, Parul, ma'am, how did you become professional in photography? You don't have to answer this question. I'm sorry. Okay, Gagan has asked a question. Gagan. Hi, Gagan. Uh, I saw it in bits, but curious about how you both speakers deal with the understanding, the idea of sketching a thought. I think it connects to what Zai was also asking. Do you, how do you sketch thoughts? Uh, then there is a thank you. Uh, then um, there is a fan club message for Parul, ma'am, uh, which is your backdrop corner defines the work you do and expert in it. Uh, I'm also amazed with you doing mathematical calculations. Uh, then Ishita has a very, very interesting question. Ishita uh, Jain is also a faculty at JSA. Uh, the language of this conversation is very interesting. There is crafting, intensity, numbers, and mathematics, which I also think, which I am also thinking as proportions leading to the rhythmic. Manav is talking about simultaneity and emotions, which are also des uh, designed affects. What about pleasure? What about your thoughts? What are your thoughts about the modality of dance? That is implicit. Uh, I think uh, Ishita has asked a very uh, Delusian question. Ishita, thank you. Ishita is here, right? Ishita, you can also switch on your mic. I don't have to speak for everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. So if you want to add to something that you're uh, saying in this, it'll be interesting. And then I'll take the rest of the questions. In. Um, yeah, no, I, you, you recognize the delusion lean of the question and um, like since we're talking about intensity, since we're talking about effects, right, um, there's also um, the, and then there was some military terms like, you know, um, there's always a battle with the shadows versus my understanding of working with light and shadows is always that it's a dance that one does between light and shadows. And, you know, it's a more light touch because light by itself is a fluid organic medium. Um, and this need to control it is a very architectural uh, power based need. But, you know, if you are uh, rather surrendering to the force that light is the intensity that light is how do you participate with it and you know uh, in my experience because i i do performances and they are largely performances uh, which are inside and outside of uh, say projections so that's that's an implicit dance with the light so i just wanted to have their views on how that works okay people Manav, have you ever designed a discotheque? Sorry. Gee, no. Sarovar, thanks. Sorry, sorry, no. But yes, I'm... Okay, go on. 
So, Ishita, you're right. I mean, um, light is actually a very, very fluid material to work with. And uh, the general, the tendency is actually to control it. In fact, if you look at how a lot of architectural uh, bylaws are also written, there are a quantity of light. But what we are today actually fighting is and how, uh, and it's, it's an fight for every project. In our every project where we are talking about, the emphasis should be on the quality of light. Yeah. And not the quantity of light. And yeah. if you ask, I think um, you know we as uh, humans we are sensitive to very low light levels as well. We yeah. can see uh, substantially even when it's just uh, full moon night uh, light. Yeah. So that's a lot of light. We're able to see a lot, and we don't require we our eyes adapt to that low light levels. So right. I completely agree with you. I mean, the, the shift has to be from constructing a space which is well lit, which is well defined to a space which actually incorporates the fluid fluidity. The, the, uh, right. The, uh, because I would also uh, argue that, you know, making that shift becomes important because it will also shift us, us thinking about architecture purely in its functional sense. Because when we say well-lit, we are actually saying an efficiently lit light space, right? And um, versus what about the sunbeams? Sunbeams are light and they produce wonder. Uh, what about, you know, a water body which is fluid and reflects sunlight as, you know, um, that, that, shine across the wall right and those are also aspects of light with very different intensities which are only pleasurable and you know um they don't have to be elitist and they don't so you know just that just the way of thinking about allowing light to manifest in even those aspects hmm. it's a very very interesting uh, idea i think in fact i i feel uh, you know the the lighting really gets deconstructed especially at homes when yeah. you have a personal light source right next to you the way you uh, you know just a simple table lamp brings in that fluidity brings in that uh, it breaks away from the idea of uh, a very structured structured approach to lighting of a space yeah yeah, no, you're right. Um, those personal choices, are they become very uh, directives. Absolutely. And I think this uh, point of water bodies, you know how water bodies function with light is so, so amazing. And uh, Manav, I don't know in your uh, Rajasthan forts or in, in the world of things uh, uh, that you work with, have you ever worked with water for light? Not in the way we are referring to right now. Okay, when you build my uh, memorial, you can break a water body in it. <laughs> I'm called Sarovar. Okay, so um, uh, I'm going to read out a few more questions. They have very little time now because Mr. Azad, who has been uh, the rock of doing all this, also has to do other work for the day. But I'm going to read out some of the questions, all of them quickly, and you can respond to some of them or not respond. It's also fine. And uh, then we will conclude. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
Oh God, there's some very strange questions also. Uh, mana, visuality and speciality is about material details, whereas atmosphere is more subjective. How do you bring a balance between the two? When is it okay to sacrifice speciality for atmosphere? Okay. Um, uh, then, oh God, there's lots of questions which are not related to this. Uh, Manav, do you face challenges in terms of what you do? Uh, what the tourism campaigns and agendas are? Hmm? Uh, and then um, there is a question, is there a mandate by government when designing slum rehabilitation or buildings with respect to natural light coming into apartments and flats? I mean, basically, I think uh, there is a technical question related to uh, what are, are the government mandates in house design? Like in a DDA house, do you have to have a certain number of windows or uh, what is the plan there? Uh, are they... Um, any different kinds of pressures of tourism campaigns and what something should look like, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that's, uh, there is a very interesting question. Uh, Parul mentioned that she began her work by observing how light creates drawings in shared space. The shadows that are formed by sunlight are very organic. So when she is creating drawings with light in controlled spaces, does she try to imitate the organic qualities of sunlight or is the light treated as synth synthetic? Okay, this is also very interesting, this natural and synthetic light. Yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting if you can speak a very briefly on two ideas. Yeah. One is the technical question and one is uh, natural and synthetic. Yeah. Should I go first? Yes. So, uh, yes, I mean, I, when I started to see them initially, it was drawing in space for me. And when I tried to recreate them, the whole idea of recreating that was to recreate a certain experience along with the other works I was exhibiting or I exhibit. And uh, for me, uh, it's, uh, so of course, like, you know, when you are recreating, it's, it's, it's just not possible, at least till now for me, to use natural light for the recreation purpose because natural light is not like, you know, it's not static, it, it, like, you know, it, it, during the course of the day, it moves and stuff like that. So I had to look into technology to recreate that. And uh, yeah, so these are the ways, it's just that, you know, you try to recreate thing through, things through technology, but try to recreate the experience majorly, not looking at how you are doing it. Yeah, that's it. Mana, would you like to say something? The, the technical uh, question, that's what you're referring to? Yeah, like what are the mandates? Yeah, they are these bylaws. Of course, I'm not very familiar with them, but they are bylaws which actually define, uh, you know, the opening surface area that you require for uh, light and ventilation to come in. Uh, but I'm, that's something I'm not very familiar with because, uh, I mean, I think uh, that's something which uh, the architects really need to comply with. Mm. But the other question on uh, challenges in terms of directive coming from the government, uh, yes and no. Some of the projects we've had a free hand, like Ame was one of them, but there have been a few other projects where um, has been a very clear directive, which has also sometimes overruled what our recommendation and our suggestions have been. So it's, it's um, sometimes it can get very political as well. Okay. 
Katie, would you like to say something on your life and the light of it? <laughs> I will unmute you one second. Yes. Yeah. For those who don't know the younger generation, Katie is uh, an architect, uh, an urban designer, and he has been he's been part of setting up uh, uh, the urban design. Uh, okay, sorry, the urban planning uh, space in SPA. He has taught uh, architecture for about 40 years. He has his own practice. He's done some fantastic projects from Iran to Kochi. Uh, I mean, it's like, I you can't go on about all the things he's done. So I, I'm i sure, uh, I think it will be interesting if you tell us a small uh, anecdote with writing in your projects with Manav also. Oh, okay. Many years ago, maybe like 10 years, Manav, maybe more. How old is Manav? Oh my God. <laughs> Manav not, Manav's not that old. He does. Thanks, Thanks for joining. Katie, <laughs> hi, Katie. Uh, hi. Uh, listen, uh, I don't have any questions as such. First of all, I wasn't able to see Manav's presentation. I'd very much like to see either when you guys put it on you know, record it and circulate it. Or I'll request Manav to you to please send me your presentation. And uh, without seeing that, I think it's inappropriate for me to comment on whatever you've shown. I watched, uh, I was lucky to be able to see uh, Parul's work. Uh, Parul, it's superb work. I really enjoyed looking at it. Uh, I don't have any question as such because I have to think about it. Uh, all that I can say is that from my own personal experience of having dealt with light in buildings, uh, my own uh, take on it is that light is actually the emotional content of a building, is created by light. And not about that it's a well-lit room or it's a badly lit room. There's no such thing as well-lit and badly lit. All lights have some kind of presence and they have an emotional impact on us. And it depends on the manner in which you, the designer uh, connects with the space emotionally. So I think uh, that's why it is not so much based on calculation and drawings, you know, drawing is an abstraction basically. It's not based on those abstractions. It is based on uh, the experiential dimension of uh, space. And that is, uh, that varies, uh, I mean, it's, uh, we are very, we are flickering beings. Uh, we shine and we go out and, you know, we are not, uh, our subjectivity is not a stable kind of, you know, uh, block of activity. It is a, it's changing things. So, so it is with light. For instance, the source of light, it's the design of its reflectors, the distance from the object, there are a hundred things, hundred variables which actually impact the final effect that you get. And that effect is an intuitive choice. And that I, I, I found Parel's work very interesting because she has intuitively linked so many different variables into a kind of an image, uh, which is at once intriguing, as well as, uh, uh, for me, emotionally satisfying. So I don't have anything to add. I, I'm waiting to get Manav's presentation so that I'll be able to react to Manav. Uh, separately, perhaps, because not in this form. Thank you.
Thanks, Katie. Thank for you. Uh, just one small last question, which is from Gaurav. Gaurav is also faculty at Jindal uh, School, and he also runs his practice called Under the Mango Tree. And I think it's a very interesting question, and I wanted to ask this on behalf of another faculty, Kriti, who works on, uh, you know, street lighting. And there's a uh, Gaurav's question is much more connected to the use of white light at night for lighting streets and urban scapes. Do you think it is changing the urban night in a disturbing way? So, is it like a safety thing? Is it a, you know, Manav, what do you think? Uh, one parameter which has always defined the choice of light source for street is the efficiency. Earlier, we had those orange sodium vapor lights. They were the most efficient. Now, with LEDs coming in, the white LED is the most efficient. So the, 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 the logic behind white light is pure efficiency. But of course, um, having worked on certain few lighting master plans, I, even I find white light for streets very disturbing. It's, it's, I, I find it pretty cold. But again, it's not just one aspect which would drive a project of this scale. Economy becomes a very important factor, but maybe what one can actually look at is not going the extreme cold white route, but maybe not even neither a warm white, but somewhere in between. But, but again, that's a personal subjective choice, which uh, I would employ over here. But for streets, for city, it's the efficiency, the numbers, which matter the most. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any questions, Jaydeep, uh, Muskan, anyone? Any last words, questions? Then I will give the vote of thanks. There Sir, are. I just. Hi. Hello, ma'am. Yes. No, no, ma'am. But I'm just saying. I just wanted to add to this white light uh, thing for streets. So, uh, so my perspective on this is that yes, it is very glaring. And uh, it, 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 is, it does create a very a harsh condition in terms of a continuous visibility. But at the same time, it is something which is necessary in terms of safety, in terms of how much is visible over across the street. So as you know, like in our streets, uh, like our streets are um, very wide at times and not, uh, not very easy to cross. It's made for cars. So from one side of the road to the other side of the road, we need visibility. We need uh, to avoid as many uh, shadow zones as possible, right? So uh, yes, I mean, I'm not saying that white light is the best option, but economics comes into play. It's a large scale installation, you know, it's cities after cities, roads, it's a huge network. So we have to see, look at that also. So yeah, it is a complex, it's a complex problem, but this is also important in terms of safety and visibility because a pedestrian, a woman walking in the night in one, one side of the street uh, also is important to see what is happening and to accordingly judge what she has to do if she's feeling unsafe or there is a certain thing. You know? like this is just an example. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, this is a discussion that is, I'm glad it's come up. Okay, so they, uh, thank you, Mr. Anchuri, for your uh, in, uh, information that you put up on new codes of ECBC lighting, I think, design efficiency in buildings. Uh, I want to now actually thank everyone. So thank you, the speakers. Uh, thank you, Muskan, for being there. Uh, thank you, Manav and Parul uh, and all the participants. I also want to thank our uh, 
communications team uh, which is abu saurav and kriti for being very very uh, strongly part of the organizing this and mr azad ali and the it team at jindal and thank you kt and others who have joined this and i hope in the future in the real and the virtual we continue to meet and uh, i think if anybody has any more questions uh, both related to jsc admissions br admissions or uh, you can contact mr azad if you have more questions related to issues of thinking about light uh, readings on light you can also contact us and we'll put you in touch with manav and parol uh and uh, i um, yes thank you uh, for a great session thank you everybody who came and who asked questions it was really great for me